listen and subscribe to The Table of Truth on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to Blurred Lines. It's your man, Cam. With me, as always, is... Uh, the other man, Cam, with a little partner co-host, Sage, in the building. <laughs> as well as... <laughs> hey, this is Josh. And always... Making sure that we don't get too optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> On most days, the mad scientist is in this chair, but today you get the professor. <laughs> and uh, we're back. We're going to do a nice little uh, news roundup. Um, a lot of things have been going on in Hollywood right now, but also some interesting topics have been kind of bubbling up as well. So we wanted to tackle a woman, kind of do a nice little round robin. Um, first up, we have Variety came out with an article recently talking basically about the the frequent cancellation of TV shows has changed the users, our, us, uh, viewing habits. So nowadays, we don't know if a show is going to make it for you know the full season or six episodes or eight episodes or 16 or like back in the day 24 so now because of that everyone kind of like uh sometimes they they one they're either doing the netflix model where they just binge all of it at once or if it's a weekly show they'll probably wait a month and then they'll watch the four to catch up i know i've done that a couple times i actually just recently did that with picard um, but because they're doing that now it's messing up with um, all these shows streaming numbers, which actually adds to the cancellation. And that just makes it a catch 22. Cause it's like, okay, I want the show to, to, to leave, but then I don't know if I want to do, if I want to commit weekly. So then we, here we have this thing where I don't want my show to get canceled, but I don't want to sit there and watch it every week. <laughs> yeah. It is a really weird, uh, place for the audience and to be right now, but I guess that's because of all the platforms, the a la carte, the, you know, so many TV, TV everywhere as well. So yeah, that's, 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 that's a good point, but also it just, it, it highlights how slow to react television networks and streamers are. Cause I mean, if, if you see that that's, if you see that the audience is doing that, then you have to, the, the logic su- at least dictates or suggests very strongly that you leave the show on and let it percolate for a little while, but per- percolate, percolate for a little while. Um, it, Cause taking like now it's it, that if, if, if those are the viewing habits of people who stream, then it's it to me that dictates you got to leave it up for a little while. You got to be willing to take a little a little bit of a loss on uh on eyeballs if you know like by you know like Cam was saying he he uh to my utter horror uh waited four episodes before he started watching Picard. Uh, I don't view like that. I'll I mean if you throw it all up, I'll I'll knock it down as quickly as I can. Um. You know, if you throw it up weekly, you know, I don't wait. I'll, I'll watch if it's good. I'll watch it weekly. Um, and 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 the mark of it not being good for me, I'm I'm I I am the opposite of that metric. So if it, it like for me, if it's good, I will be on top of it the day it drops. If it's not that great or bad, I will struggle to remember it, to watch it and end up two behind, three behind, four behind really easy. So, you know, but, but again, I don't think, I don't think television networks and streamers are, are responding or reacting uh, in any kind of logical way to these things like that. The numbers to me dictate what you should and should not do. 
Let me let me let me chime in. Sorry. Uh, so for me personally, uh, I think networks have to adapt at the way consumers take in how they watch a series. Uh, I don't necessarily equate a bad series to me watching it in a binge fashion or not keeping up with weekly. I just there's a lot of shows and it's a lot of things that I have to like consume and I'm like I don't have time for. <laughs> So with that said, like The Last of Us, partly why I wasn't watching it weekly is because I kind of knew what happened, but I was still tapped in. Maybe certain shows are really that good and I just don't have the time to get into it. But then there's other shows that like maybe like Willow, like I watched, I was interested. I watched one episode and I just didn't get into it. And I was like, eventually I want to watch it because I want to see how it plays out. Like I'm genuinely curious because I did watch the original, but like. Also, the way platforms are catering to us. If you put it out and binge it and it's good, I might just binge it or I might just do the opposite and kind of take my time with it because I want to savor the show. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And then if if it is coming out weekly, like Mando, when it first came out, I was like, man, I can't wait to the next week. So sometimes I'll let it go up in some episodes so I can watch like five in a row so I don't feel like I got to wait for the next week. So it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the the big thing. And but to you guys' point, it's it's more of an adaptation because you know we every all of you inhabits are jumbled up and, and mixed in with different reasons for doing things. I, I also didn't watch Picard um, until about five episodes in, but that's because you fool me once, shame on you know the how that thing goes. <laughs> so I'm I'm weary of that when I approach certain things, especially if it's going into its third season. You know, do I invest because there is a lot of things in there? You want to make a, a choice of where you put in your time because of all the other factors you talked about, having to do to. Um, family time and work and things like that. And you just don't have time to, to keep up. But I think what's probably going to have to happen is just the system itself is once again, going to have to evolve just like it evolved yeah. from, from just primarily basing these decisions on the Nielsen ratings to factoring in uh, Twitter and trend things trending and stuff. I would say that scandal stuff like scandal and breaking bad and, and, and game of Thrones could be cited as, and the walking dead can be cited as sort of examples of, of how during that period of television history, um, the way that um, the, the way that networks and were judging uh, the success rate of a show was coming from at least two or three different sources and not just based on the immediate returns of who's sitting in front of the, the TV. And I guess now in, in the more immediate case is who's sitting, who's got a screen in front of them, whether that be a computer or a tablet or whatever, and when they have it. But um, I, I, I think that most shows probably have to go on all of that stuff before it, you know, they're canceled. And then let me just say one more thing. I think a lot of this is being driven by the recent activities of, 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 of one brother discovery and, and a lot of their, networks and and this cancellation of movies and and tv series and things like that because of the the structuring of their of their uh their business but you know all of that to say is who knows where it's going to end up but you know 
it's just I think the audience is a little bit more is too um I won't say I won't say smarter. I won't use that term. I would say never that has adapted to this new way of yeah, it has adapted to this world of TV everywhere and a la carte presentation where you can curate your viewing style the way you want to, the way you think is best for your schedule and your life. And what's happening is we're seeing a clash of that intersection where that doesn't work for the TV networks because they need to know right then and there where they should continue to put their money, their marketing dollars, their, their production dollars, all this stuff. And it doesn't work well for the audience because they have been burned multiple times with, with stories where they stuck with it and then boom, it gets canceled in the middle of season two or like right now with, and even though nobody's mourning this, but Titans, doesn't have on its schedule uh, a return date for a second half of its of its fourth season, which is now we find out is its final season. So, criminal, I tell you, it's probably going to be a perpetual hiatus. Which again, nobody's mourning, yeah. but at the yeah. same time, there might be some people out there that would that would have at least liked to see that investment in time, which is what it comes down to, uh, at least satisfied um a little bit mitigated a little bit by seeing yeah. a final episode or a well, final moment yeah. or whatever and also what happens now is so you have things like netflix is a great example where you know a second season will debut and then you know they'll drop their 13 episodes and then the next day be like this show's canceled <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly so, like, so then you have no like you like again before we at least get those 13 episodes over 13 weeks you're growing with it you're building with it blah 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 and and <laughs> you find out you know whether maybe by episode three or maybe by episode six or you might be in it might actually reach to the end and then you know they would burn off the episodes during the summertime or something but now i'm sorry but now they don't have that anymore i was gonna say uh my example is warrior none which just came mm. back i think uh this year right and, and, mm-hmm. and like again, I was laughing because I watched the first season. It was like I, I didn't really think about it. Second season kind of came and went for me, but then when I was looking at some of the cancellations, I saw it, and then I started to see more of the social chatter. Like, oh no, save Warrior Nun. I'm like, where y'all be watching this? <laughs> people, people did watch Warrior Nun. It was yeah. one of the most watched. It was one of the most watched uh, shows of the year that it dropped. Mm. Let me let me ask you guys this: Who? who where does the responsibility fall for shows, good shows, quality shows continue? Is it the responsibility of the viewer or the networks adapting to how the viewer watches? I, I think it's the on ladder. the network. Yeah, I think it's on yeah, the network. It's, the ladder. Like, it's definitely the latter. Yeah, they need to let shows cook, man. I think that's my my one thing that I don't like anymore. That's like they they don't allow. I mean, I know it's expensive in this aspect of it, but like we you basically get for a lot of these shows, they get damn near maybe six episodes to see if they can do something maybe three at times <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. it's like and, you know and we also have to distinguish canceling a show after four seasons with no conclusion versus canceling a show after a few episodes or one season where it limped along or whatever there's yep. there's so many factors another part of the the viewing experience is the fact that you know, when Netflix, 
when binge culture took over and became a thing, there was a significant portion of the viewing audience left behind, which is the appointment viewing audience who likes that a bit that engagement of every week at this point in time as almost like a community thing, we're going to be watching this show and then we're going to have conversation about it. But I can't do that. If you're two, three, four, five, six episodes ahead of me now, I now the fun of that is gone. Um, And again, all of these things sort of, sort of began to, they take shape after the fact, right? After binging has become popular and it was fun with breaking bad when you were trying to catch up. But then after so many shows have taken on that model, there's a good significant chunk of the audience that's like, no, we don't want that, which is why you see now with Prime and and Discovery, not Discovery, um, Disney Plus, they release their shows weekly now. I mean, almost everybody does it, does it now because again, now you can have it to binge when you want to, because it's always going to be there, or you can watch as an appointment because we're releasing it weekly instead of dropping a bat, a whole sack of episodes in your lap and saying, Hey, watch however you want. Yeah. Well, the thing too, well, I, I kind of understand both sides of the coin is that you have shows that allows you to conversation after you watch the show, like the wire or game of Thrones, where the phenomenon was not only watching the show, but having the discussion about the show with friends and coworkers or whatnot. And I thought that was a part of like, part of the I don't use culture as a lack of a better term, but like that was cool. Like I, I couldn't wait to go talk about that episode with my friends. Right. But then you got on the flip side of it, like, Hey, I just want to binge on my time, watch it and not have to wait. Cause I, I watch anime and I hate when I got to wait. It was a fire episode or left me in the cliffhanger. I got to wait a whole week for this. Like, Oh, come on. You're killing me. So in order to, to, satisfy my quote-unquote thirst for this show i'll be patient wait like a month get four episodes in boom i watch it and then i'm like all right cool that was cool that's just my own personal way of doing things whether it be time constraints or the satisfaction of not wanting to wait episode week by week now we do come we're from we're probably the last of an era where we used to watch things (laughs) as it came out week by week you know we're definitely the last of that generation so now the narratives and the, and the way we view has changed where you got yeah. people on both sides. So, and if you like people, like, even in, if you, you're in a household, people watch shows on different times. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I watch my shows at like quote unquote work while I'm working. I'm like, all right. Cause I can get the most done when yeah. I get home. I don't have time to watch that. So it's like we're on different schedules. So now people, if you're busy, you have to plan like sitting there like, okay, I don't have to sit and be confined by the time it used to be. So TGIF, TGIF, I had to be home at a certain time to watch all these shows. Now I'm like, nah, I, I can watch it on Saturday at my time, which is convenient a la carte, which is cool. But I understand both sides of the coin. So it's just, I don't know if there's it's a, a paradox. I yeah. mean, that, that's, yeah. that, that's what we, what we, what we're left with. And it's, it's not something that even though we said almost all of us that, it's up to the networks to respond. But at the same time, with that in mind, and there's such a, that being such a mixed bag, it was easier to respond 20, 30 years ago because it was clear, you know, 
even though Nielsen wasn't like in every household, so you're getting a, a percentage, a portion of what the show success looks like, but it was enough of a metric to get it right half the time, <laughs> you know, most of the time. Oh, if you will. And I think that's, that's a key component because <clears throat> the Disney's of the world, you know, the, ne- the well, Netflix is a whole other ball of wax, but you know, the, the Disney pluses of the world, uh, the Hulu's of the world, the Amazon's of the world, they don't operate by the same rules as a network would. Um, so they can afford to leave something dangling out there for a month to yeah. see how it goes yeah. before they decide what the next move is going to be. Yeah. Um, I think also to, to double back to something that, um, that, that can mentioned a second ago, you know, you also have to factor in whether or not that thing is a phenomenon, you know what I mean? Like, like a game of Thrones or, you know, something on, on, on that's, that has such outsized success that it hits every metric. It hits people who are watching it three, four episodes down the line. It has weekly watchers. Uh, Mando being another one. Mandalorian probably hits on, but without even looking at the numbers, I'm pretty confident in saying that it's such an outsized hit that it hits all the metrics. Um, and so it defies, you know, it defies, and, and I bet you that's the metric that networks are looking at, you know, the outsized hit versus the day-to-day average, you know, middle-of-the-road yeah. show. Does it defy uh, uh, conventionalism, as you pointed out? Is it right. defying that conventionalism? Because at this point, networks versus streamers mm-hmm. have to be more careful and cautious right. in what, they, what they're taking in and what they're keeping going. Yeah, and I think also, too, you think about, um, like, going back to, like, the must-see TV like there's very little shows now that are like that, you know. Game of Thrones was one of the was one of the big ones. Walking Dead at its at its peak, one hundred percent one of the big ones. Um, Breaking Bad too is one of those too. But right nowadays, you know, shows can drop. You know, if it's not on regular uh, network television, you know, they could drop. You know, all eight episodes, and then we forget about it, and they're like, oh yeah, it's not on. Oh, let me go check that out, and then. There's, it's, it's such a weird metrics of if a you know if a TV show drops on Friday like Luther just dropped two weeks ago, and um, they they had a good push ahead of time you know good promo push saw it all up in Times Square saw a lot of trailers that kind of stuff, um, and you know they it's uh, I think it's eight episodes eight to thirteen something like that it's probably it's probably probably eight. Um, I, I will say this too before you finish I love the BBC model of how they show episodes it's like an hour and a half. Yep. It's not a lot of episodes per season, yep. but I feel satisfied after watching like four oh, episodes. I feel like I watched. They were well. sacred, but they started to get do. They start to do more business with American t- with yeah. American TV, ah, and they went. Yeah. No, not all of it. It's still very sacred. BB, BB, the BBC shows are still great, but um, Black Mirror, for example, it, it, ah, it, yeah, it was very. It was very tightly done. One episode per series, or see two or three. Now you know, and now I think they serialize that. Only do a few, but they're just just like churning them out. You know, at, well, I guess not frequently anymore, but they were doing a lot more seasons than they normally do. Where you used to see one, two, and done, like with The Office or with. Uh, the, the uh, British version of um, House of Cards or, yeah, or, right. or, or, or Shameless or, or yeah. yeah, what was the one you just said, Josh? 
Sherlock. Sherlock. Yes, that's a great example. Yes. Fab. Sherlock be like three episodes every three years, and we'd be like, cool. Yeah, B. <laughs> I'm like, hey, take your time. Yeah, I have no issues with that. With that when Cumberbatch has got, nope. got a, a chunk of time, wants to do Sherlock, I am all about it. Like, yo. That is literally what is happening right now. The yep. the, the showrunner, uh, Russell, not Russell T. Davies. Um, I forget the showrunner's name, but he's basically like, I really would like to do more. I'm waiting on Benedict Cumberbatch. That's yep. kind of it. <laughs> But I think, and honestly, I remember because I didn't know this before. Um, because you know, before we used to get 24 uh episodes of shows, right? 24 to 27. That writer strike happened around the was that era, heroes era, whatever. And it shortened yep. The oh, single longest great. stretch of unemployment of my entire television career. Yeah, yeah that, wow. was, that was insane. Uh but to be fair. Network TV shows, so like uh, the big, the big, so Fox, uh, CW, NBC, um, ABC. Those shows were the, their shows typically ran twenty two to twenty four yeah. episodes a season. The cable, the broadcast cable, Half, uh, right? were more like sixteen episodes, like the AMC's, USA's. And then the the premium were always like HBO and Showtime always generally stuck to eight to, to thirteen episodes. Ten I remember once most. once once the writer strike kind of ended, then I started to see the more shows would do thirteen twelve to thirteen issue yes. uh, episode arcs now because they're like we don't even know if we're gonna make it past thirteen, so let's have a narrative that could at least be from this to this. Yeah. Get okay. Cool. Now we have two, and then they split. Started to split things up because, like, you know, we used to, you know, when we started Table of Truth, we did twenty four episodes because of twenty four. Twenty four episodes make it happen, you know. But nowadays, you couldn't, you could do twenty, and they and twenty four came back in this new paradigm of how TV's made, and it was like I think it was like sixteen episodes for one of it, and I think the other one was the one it's with like, um, Dre was like eighteen or something like that. Yeah. yeah, but but you're right though. I think that's. I mean, and it's funny because. In Europe, or I say in the UK, um, they would American shows, but they would it by chunks. And so, like, if you were going to get, you know, Friends is twenty four episodes, they would get that split up in almost like four different DVD box sets. Um, yeah. uh, it's just, so it's like a chunk of episodes. And then now that we've kind of adopted that, which honestly is probably better. I think we, I mean, sometimes shows shows don't need to be twenty four episodes anymore. <laughs> a lot, well, a lot of filler. Yeah, it's just did. a lot of filler. I mean, and- yeah, it's just filler. A lot of it is 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 more so just trying to. Um, it's really an advertisement thing with yeah. uh, with uh, network shows. That's why they got so many episodes. Yeah, but I mean, I actually, that's the one thing I would say. I do like that um, the the twelve to thirteen episode arc and stuff. Um, but I think you're right. It gets to a point now where the investment is the time investment. Like I like. I'm, Again, my friend, he has twin daughters. They're they're both two, I think now. And so he watch. He's like, can I got I can I watch when I can. I might be at work. Or it might be like a little my little space that I got to kind of like peel away an hour to check out whatever show. So he has no like say. He's like, I don't have a set like watching of television time. It's usually when they go to bed, so that's my nighttime, or maybe early in the morning or something. Like that. So it's like I steal thirty minutes and hours here and there. I don't have like a set time. Like, oh man, this is my show. I got to make sure I show up at this time. Like that's almost impossible for him at the point now. 
Yeah. And I think uh, modifying what we were saying earlier about the networks and streamers responding to to the audience, I think that might be the wrong suggestion as much as they should be responding to tech, to technology. Because think about what we've said here, all the things that we've said about in terms of being able to watch TV and things anywhere, that's stuff that has developed only in the last 10 years in which um, only capable of doing that vis-a-vis advances in in technology and in the, in the Internet and, and, you know, the capability of streaming and all of that stuff. All that stuff has come a long way. And probably has gotten too is gets a little bit far ahead of of how um, content creation can respond and and distribution can respond. So I think that's a big deal too. Is is now there was probably too much of a resistance in accepting social media's role. <laughs> and we you know we're we we work in the industry so we know that resistance was there um and but now it's a thing and it's a thing that has blossomed and plateaued to the point where you cannot separate it from the industry so yeah. i'm curious i'm curious now do you, so you think that it's that it's networks and streamers response to technology and not to the response of the people. So you're in other words, you're saying that people are responding to the availability, what technology avails them to be able to do. Oh, absolutely. They always, when have they not, when have we not done that? You know what I mean? Like when, when it's, it's always been the case and then it's a little bit of the other thing too, you know, it's not just one thing. It's, it's a mini, uh, it's all of it, but I do think there is a slowness to, respond and accept that, okay, this is where technology is taking us. You know what I mean? Like this is definitely, and that's classic, that's classic television network though. They, you know, they're, they're usually old people who run these things and, you know, not, 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 not to engage in ageism, but it's very old thinking. They, they are inert and, really just like it's like you to get them to think differently is just one of the most amazingly difficult things to do just from top to bottom really but i mean it's a different medium the medium has shown you that with the different things that you know i was prepared to disagree with you a second ago but you're yeah, actually I took a second to, to listen to you no i took a second to listen to you and 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 think it through and you're right they're not responding to the things that the tech that to what the technology, as I was uh, sort of questioning you before, you know, they're not responding to what technology avails people to do. And if you look at it from that, that is that, that when you think about it, that's the root of it all. It's not the people, it's not the end user. It's what the medium avails the end user to do. Yeah. And if you look at it from that standpoint, it makes total sense. Like yeah. you have to adjust, you have to, and these people, so to my point or to my earlier point, these people have never really been quick. Entertainment in general has never been quick to adjust. You know, uh, once MP3s became the thing, they fought that joint tooth and nail before they eventually realized, 
hey, the market has changed. We need to change with it. Yeah, it's, know, not, it's, uh, not, it's not a trend as we believe that it would be. It's actually something. Yeah, and, and I think similarly, they responded to in the early days. I remember I watched this very closely uh, before the writer's strike. They fought tooth and nail. Like people were people were doing the same thing that they were doing with MP3s. Um, you know, they were people would people were recording and then posting it online, and then you could BitTorrent it. You could watch it on illegal site number twelve of you know what whatever the the illegal site of the day was, and it 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 was starting to eat into appointment television, like you were saying. You know, and at the point where you realize that that's the case, rather than adopt new technology, rather than be an early adopter and be the one, you know, they, they there's this thing where they don't want to be the first one to do it because they're afraid that the first one to do it is going to be the one to fail. And then someone else will come behind them and capitalize on their loss and their, and, and make good on my say. And, and you got it. And, and there is a legitimacy to that. Right. If you're a person. Right. Who, Whose job and is, is it is to make the decision, and it, it's you. The buck stops with you. But right. um, you know, I think you can even look at the music industry, for example, as had having fought very hard against, as you say, MP3s and the bit torrenting and the downloading of music and and that where that was going, and eventually they had to yield. And the same thing is is going on with with network t- with network TV versus premium and all these things because if you think about it, streaming services like Amazon and Netflix are tech companies, right? Mm-hmm. Apple, like these are tech companies, so they're already co opting the network apparatus into their into their their tech. So, so, you know, it's, it's, again, it, it, it's I wild, it. man. That's it's, what that's, it I is. Mean, I think that's, that's kind of the reason why, like, we have the, we have a impending writer strike coming up. It's not, it's not official yet. They're in negotiations. The contract ends by the end of the month. You know, we all, it's always in this situation. As long as they get their shit together within a month, it doesn't upset too much people's uh, pay. <laughs> not going to happen. And you got to be not going to happen. There will be a writer strike. New, the new tech. And where we are is going to impact that because now yeah. it's not just <laughs> your writing is not just being seen on one screen. It's across multi plat multimedia plat true multimedia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think and, sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you no, off. Go ahead. No, no, I was done. Um, yeah, and that, that's what happened with the last writer strike. The the, the writer strike in 08 was exclusively predicated on the idea that, hey, you know, I'm supposed to be getting paid as a writer off of any medium that you uh, that you uh, that you syndicate my work on. Here you are syndicating my work 24 hours later. And I'm not getting paid off it. And I'm and, you know, the residuals is how, you know, yeah, you get paid up front for your, you know, for for whatever you've written. But you also the real money in in syndication comes from uh, from you know excuse me the real money in in writing comes from syndication. You know if your joint ends up becoming a Seinfeld or Friends that's on for like twelve hours a day <laughs> and on any given network, 
you know, you, 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 you have a sizable chunk of money to be that, that's sitting out there to be made. Here's my show on these streaming platforms. And I don't get the same. I guarantee you part of it is, is part of this writer strike that's that could happen later on down the line is going to be predicated on the crappy deal that they signed up for in 08 because writers don't they're, they're not they're, i'm sure they want parody they will listen you are you have x amount of subscribers for this now paid service that you're offering in a lot of instances Bingo. and i am not getting the same dough that I'm getting if my show is on network television or cable. Yep. I just looked it up oh, too. And so it said, uh, the WGA at the time for 2008, WGA had no arrangement with producers regarding the use of content online and two models of internet distribution were negotiated. And this is yep. just, from, this is 2008, right? So that's just, yep. uh, what is that? iTunes store, Amazon yep. video at the time. Yep. Um, and stre- streaming had just became a thing. So yeah. that's mm-hmm. not crazy. It was just moving from being the, they were doing the dual, the DVDs and you can oh, do the right. streaming, yeah. but they didn't have as much content on, on the streaming. And again, what is that? That is tech changing the game. And, and that's mm-hmm. where we are right now. Crazy. And that's, and I think that's the most interesting too, because you're right. If I'm, if I'm writing a TV show, I write, you know, may I write a pilot or something like that. I get paid for writing the actual pilot, but then now that pilot goes on to net, say it's on CBS, boom, it's on TV uh, for viewers to see. Then it's on, uh, what's that, Paramount Plus or whatever now. I can't remember. They're all, they all built together. Then on top of that, I can buy it on iTunes. I can also buy it on Amazon. <laughs> and, then, and then later on, it might, it might even be syndicated on Tubi or freaking whatever. That's yeah. five different places already just from that one episode. And then also, yep. you got to think about the writers leave some stuff on the table for the networks like they're not get probably i don't know i have to look look this up but i would imagine they're not getting a lot of on on merchandising and things like that for creating the characters because the network owns the characters unless it's like a situation like george r R. martin who owns the characters of his story or stephen king or something like that but you know if it's if it's a um a Mandalorian and you're writing for Mandalorian when, when baby Yoda sells, you're, you're not getting anything. That's all going to, to, to Disney and to, you know, so that's going to be a factor. Yeah. Because if yeah. You're creating original characters and then they're taking those characters and they're making other products, uh, you know, toys and things like that. You're going to want some residuals. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that, again, that goes back to the craziness. Cause I remember, even when I was working at Marvel and I think it was, yeah, Luke Cage had debuted and I was in a meeting and they were asking about the numbers and Netflix was like, Oh, it did good. But it was interesting to me. Cause I was like, Oh man, we're in a new realm now because when we're at BET, we would get a print out of all the numbers for Nielsen. And it was so all the shows that were from BET plus the ones that came up the same the slot broken down by demographic and all that so you know and every we have a monday morning meeting to go over yep. all of those numbers and what they represent and adjustments that need to be made yep yeah. totally and then and now you know, now streaming you did hey, <laughs> it's magic but i mean <laughs> the, the, kicker there, the, the kicker there is also you know it, it, it it's 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 
it's it's networks wanting to have their cake and eat it too. Like you know, oh well, we you know we're we're gonna put the, we're gonna put our our show on the streaming network, and you know it was free before, but now we're gonna charge for it. Uh, but you know, the 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 old deal in in, in two thousand eight, <laughs> right? And we're not even talking about advertisement dollars because yeah. you know now the yeah that's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just it's there's so many layers to this conversation, and I think that's why. Going back to the Variety article and, and kind of looking at it, it just comes back to being a one massive paradox. But, but when we talk about it and we talk through it, we see that it's a lack it's a lack of a genuine response to the changes in tech and not on time. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they come too late. And then by the time the audience is just riding the wave, <laughs> the audience is just riding the wave, whether it be the wave of a successful TV show or the wave of social media. You know, MySpace was a thing until it wasn't. You know, yeah. until Facebook supplanted it. You know, it's it's just that's just how this thing, these things work. They're not normal. They're passing sort of past. They are trends, but not in that sort of fleeting way that we think of a trend. Like they're more enduring than, than uh, fashion trends, but they become something else because the tech is continuing to, to build upon what came before it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's totally true. Tech is again, uh, it, it, as the startups say, they disrupt. They be they be disrupted. But I they, think are the, they are the best. <laughs> and I'm curious to see with now we have you know almost every major um, network now has their uh, their their premium channel. You pay you know your X amount of uh, bucks a month, and now a lot mm-hmm. of them are now starting to have their free channel. Where now we've introduced ads back in. So now you got your freebie. Uh, what's it, Tubi, Pluto's coming in, and all these ones are now operating just like regular old network television. And so then they're having a bunch of stuff now. So now we have more things to, to even talk about now because you're right. If Again, D'Angelo, if you, you wrote a, a pilot for something or a couple episodes, your stuff is now has multiple different places it could be at. So now you're not, you're, you know, the, I would assume the points would change now from the residual standpoint because not only are you getting paid to write the episode, but now that episode is going to be sewn and literally could be almost like 12 different things. You yeah. assume, but that's the thing that that is precisely what the writer, what the what the what the current writers negotiate WGA writers negotiation is about. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, gonna give it <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, like, so. Speaking more on the changeups and stuff, uh, our former employer, uh, BET, uh, a, by way of Viacom, is uh, now being up for sale. This came up about a month ago, and it just happened recently. I was, yeah, it happened about the last couple of weeks, and it's very interesting the amount of different players they're all trying to throw in their hat in to acquire the network. Um, and all these players are all major people. Uh, Tyler Perry already has a majority stake, a minority stake in BET. Um, and BET comes with BET, BET Plus, VH1, and I believe, I think uh, something else. I think, I think oh, BET uh, Productions or something like that. They're a production company. BET and her. so, yeah, uh, actually, I, I looked that up. I think, is it still around or did it, uh, they sunset it? Because I didn't see it on the list of one of the, the uh, properties. Oh, I was being sarcastic. I, I believe it's been sunset. <laughs> yeah. um, which making sure, represent for the ladies. Um, but also, besides Tyler Perry, you have Diddy, who already owns Revolt, which is basically BET from 1990. 
And then <laughs> with the with, with the Better Podcast Network, I'll give them that. Their podcast network is actually super dope. Shout out to uh, Aki out there running that. Um, mm. And then you have Byron Allen, who's been just gobbling up random ass television, everything, whether it's like local affiliates, uh, Weather Channel, some other randomness. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because he he was like what comedian turned mogul? Is that where he came from? And like comedian, comedian turned and- turned show host turned show host. Uh, yeah turned mogul. Yep, probably probably a, a, a savvy businessman all along the way, and just yeah, for real about it. Yeah, when you then, when uh, you real quick aside, when you listen to him talk about the the acquisition of his first network, like it was it was touch and go, and like you know, like a lot of nail a lot of nail biting, like it was it was serious. Like he really didn't he didn't know how he was going to do it. He didn't know if he had enough dough. Like it was you know, I mean, this is. Uh, well off to to sort of uh, approaching rich people problems, but when you listen to his story, like, it is it is very interesting. Like it really almost didn't happen on a number of fronts, and the man sort of just put in the work and 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 wound up copping the network, and then the dough from that network uh, facilitated the purchase of another one and another one and another one. So yeah, is it's interesting. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Cam. No, no, and, and so I think that's the part that's most interesting. And then the last thing, uh, last player recently has been uh, Group Black, which is a, a black VC fund out of Atlanta, I believe. And um, they invest in a bunch of black startups, black uh, and other media companies. They've been kind of doing on the VC front. They've been making a lot of noise, and they're starting to starting to percolate into the pu- public. Um, the question I would say to you guys is: it even worth it to buy BET at this point? Man, this is black capitalism at its finest. Cause I Basically, like that's all I ask. That's that's why well, I think that's well, is it worth yeah. it? Is it worth it? What does this actually mean for us? Because it's ultimately not nothing that's going to impact us. And well, from a zeitgeist perspective, I think you know, from a cultural, from a uh, uh, from a from a cultural impact perspective, I think it has it has a little bit of weight, especially if you revamp it. That's true. That's definitely true. So I mean, BT, they 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 were smart by going into a uh, business with Tyler Perry because their their biggest thing was they didn't have original content and they a lot of their stuff was always produced from someone else. They didn't own anything, and so it was yeah, they hard licensed them, literally licensed, their entire they licensed everything. And Tyler Perry, you know, we all know that fool be just churning out content whether we like it or not. So marrying those two together actually worked well for BET and actually BET in the last one or two years has actually been doing better because they have this steady stream of shitty content specifically for older black women. Stop it. <laughs> well, 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 there, there, there is the, the argument that it does become black owned again. And uh, from what some information I just found out, Bob Jolson sold it in 03. But again, like I asked the question, like they own it. What does it do for us, the consumer? Like, because I don't know if, yeah, they own it. It's black owned, it's optics and stuff. But again, Tyler Perry is very protective of his stuff. I don't think he, I don't know if he includes people in doing his, like helping him with his work. So it's just his vision. Not, it's not a, it's not a for us, by us type of thing. So again, like no. I said, this is the whole capitalistic, they, they're just doing this for themselves, not for yes. us. Yes, yes, yes. I, I would say that, that aspect of it, because even, you know, uh, Bob Johnson's when he sold it, he had a clause in it where like BET uh, couldn't be the, the black MTV. So it let it be independent for about 10 years for better or for worse. I'm not going to say mostly worse, but whatever. But for those 10 years, 
BET had the autonomy to kind of operate how it wanted. So they were only, they were pretty much how it is. So there was no evil white person behind them pulling the strings or anything like that. Around 2013, 2014, that's when things started to merge with Viacom. They started to take care right. of some of their redundancies and all that. The different, the one thing we did notice is like that those budgets kind of stayed the same though. So I think it'll be interesting because I think there's, if you were, you know, if you're a hyper black capitalist, you buy BET, you could revamp it and you could be like, you know, make your money, section it off for the culture, section it off to get, make sure you make a bunch of money. Or it could just like, kind of like we said, it's just something that is almost like, a, like if Diddy bought it and merged it with like Revolt or something like that. Like that. That's literally that's like, that's, like that's, he's one of the great, he's a great like great examples of just like uh, performative black capitalism where it's like, hey, I'm doing this for the people, but I'm really doing it for myself. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, there's always that aspect to answer that question directly. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're operating at that level, if you're operating at any level, honestly, you're, you're, you know, you, you, you don't go to work because you like the people there and like, you know, they're nice and, 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 and the coffee is good. Like you go primarily because you get paid for it. You know, it, it is. It, and, and so to, to sort of, ex, to, to expand that further, like if you have the means and you have, you know, and you have a vision for what that, what it could turn into, yeah, you go ahead and put your 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 hat in the ring to see if you can purchase something like a BET. Um, I mean, yes, you're going to make money, but also you have an opportunity to make an impact potentially, you know, uh, depending on the individual we're talking about, you know, or the entity that purchases it, depending on who we're talking about. You know, there's there's either, you know, maintaining the status quo or like, yo, there's an opportunity to really do something here uh, that's bigger and more impactful than just, you know, I'm gonna make a ton of money, um, you know, cause I bought this network, uh, whether or not that's going to be the case. I mean, you know, that remains to be seen. I kind of like By- Byron Allen, like every time he's interviewed, he's interviewed somewhere, you know, he talks an equal portion of like, you know, look on the one hand, this thing needs to make money. On the other hand, there's an opportunity to make something, bigger and better than what it was. Uh, and that seems to be his focus and his, uh, his way of doing things whenever you hear him talk, which I kind of admire, you know, you know, you know, uh, a lot of black people in business talk a good game. And then, you know, when it's time for the rubber to meet the road, they're really just all about that money, which is cool. Great. You know, I, Hey, listen, who's to say if I, went into business on that scale that I wouldn't be the same person. So I'm not necessarily knocking that. However, I think there, like I said, I think there's an opportunity to do something. And I think if you had, if, if, if it were left to me to be like, all right, you got to pick who's going to, who, whose bid you're going to accept uh, for, for BET, I would go with Byron Allen, a heartbeat. Um, that's just me. Um, I don't know what that VC company would do. They might just hoe out, you know, BET on a whole other level than it's yeah. been than it is currently. And you know, it, it could it, as much as people complain about BET, it could end up being in worse shape than it. You know, the worst being relative. You know, the Tyler Perry shows, like we said, you know, those are those are highly rated, so they're not doing bad. But, you know, from uh, from a standpoint of, you know, how you want to see yourself on screen and the types of shows that you want to see, you know, there are people who have the complaint, their, their complaints. And that could be doubled down on uh, if, if depending on who the 
who the who, whose bid gets accepted. So, you know, in yeah. a perfect world, I would want to see someone who's going to uh, broaden the spectrum of things that you see on, on BET. But, you know, at the end of the day, it has to be financially solvent first. And yeah. And the person, the person who, the person who, or entity that makes that purchase has to have a network television experience, b business sense, and c people around them who uh, will will also make good decisions further down that chain. And again, the person that pops into my head as that guy is Byron Allen. So I'm going to be the mouth of Sauron right here, for lack of a better term. you said opportunity and it was brought to my attention. Uh, you know, BT's probably never taken advantage of the diverse voices of the black people. So yeah, there is that opportunity now because the optics of a lot of black people or a few prominent black people that have the means could, could do some change. So we'll see. Um, it's also brought to my attention that the, the it bad is relative in this case because of the broadcast cable experience. And yeah. it's always been a hip hop and gospel uh, conduit. For, yeah, for us, and so. I would say sure. that that's the, and that's the thing for that's why it would be interesting because I think from a modern time right now, I would say Revolt's been doing a little bit better because they've expanded from just being like MTV essentially, and then started to actually expand to other aspects of it. So them make uh, picking up Drink Tap, Drink Champs, for example, or syndicating Breakfast Show, a Breakfast Club. Um, from their video aspect of it and then expanding that into a, a podcast those are those are those moves that are a little bit more modern now that are actually really smart something that BET hasn't really gotten to that aspect of it yet however going back to what the like they don't really have like broadcast cable experience like they're there but they're like you know they're in certain markets but they're not everywhere so uh, I think to Josh's point I think Byron Island could actually could um, could help in that aspect of it because he's already has X amount affiliate of uh, stations already, so you have a little bit of a network of like okay, and then, and I was just I just double checked Byron Island because like the and those stations they're like all over the country, like I think almost I think they're in like thirty or forty states, not at fifty yet, but he's he's he definitely starting to build a network and another thing, so I think that's the interesting part. But I also believe like I agree, it's one of the things that us all that we worked at BET was the one thing that they uh, not, there's many things they did wrong, but one of the things that they overlooked was was that aspect of presenting diverse black voices because they always they usually cater to a very specific demographic and i've seen those numbers i know why they do it and um that demographic usually is southern black women in their 40s college educated almost upper middle class ish kind of realm and they've made content over the last 10 years to kind of cater to that and then the parts that gives them the hiccups are like uh, BET awards, uh, hip hop awards, like those, the non, the non gospel stuff. Cause they got their gospel stuff. That's a solid money. Then like the, then they got all the quote unquote young things, BET awards, hip hop awards, that kind of stuff, soul trend awards. And then they got the four of the culture, like black rock, those types of things. So it's like, they have the pieces there. It's just that someone can actually fit them in a, in a place that's amenable for everybody. Cause I think that's the one thing that they haven't really figured out. Um, and unless someone really, because and I think if Tyler Perry uh, it takes over, it's going to be the Tyler Perry network. If you know, if if Diddy takes over, he might merge it with Revolt, which on one end could be a good thing, but at the same time, are you going to uh, kill a legacy uh, brand like BET and mm. name everything Revolt? And I don't think that's a good look. So I think Byron Allen might be the better situation. The X Factor is the uh, Black VC fund, which you don't know what they would do. They're, you know, they just been kind of right. doing that. 
but yeah, I would say, you know, I mean, um, but yeah, it, it, it could be interesting. It could be interesting. Uh, at the end of the day, these heads see an opportunity because more than likely, as with any social media platform or anything that's culture driven, black people are at the forefront. We we make things hype. We get things popping and we don't in this capitalistic society, we don't take advantage of what we create in events. Yes. Case in point, Clubhouse. We got it popping on there. Right. And yep. somebody took that idea and pushed it forward and capitalized on it. So uh, what these uh, prominent African-American men are taking advantage of. Uh, yeah. It, uh, what they're taking advantage of is that the fact that black people are movers and shakers when it comes to stuff like this in, 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 in society. And maybe they have a genuine uh, outlook of taking advantage of it, taking back ownership of what the culture represents. And it just got brought to my attention that, you know, BT has 30 plus years of content library that can be monetized. So, you know, so that's a just something to look it, at. It's a lot. And I think that's the one thing if I was looking at this from that kind of a situation, because the one biggest, the one big revelation when I first worked there was that the amount of stuff that BC has over the last 30 years is crazy. The, the part that messed them up is they don't, there's a lot of licensing that's going to happen. So if you're right, buying BC, they have a crazy have, catalog, but they, but a lot of it is licensable, it is licensed, uh, license oriented. It's not original content. That's a big one. That's the big one. This is a something kind of off, but in the same sense. Uh, Def Comedy Jam, does the, the rape is still on that, or who owns that stuff? <laughs> that's all, that's all, that's all, uh, that's all Russell Simmons. Does he have his own network? Nope, that's why it's not, no, that's why it's no. not streaming anywhere. It's not streaming anywhere. It's like it's on them, they have the rights of all that stuff. One of the, a, yep. a quick story for BET is, um, when I first got to the BET, one of the first things I asked was, like, Yo, what's up with Rap City? Like, we've there's like freestyles this and that and so what i learned was because if they were going to show old episodes of rhapsody today they would have to go back and license the music that was played by the dj through the episode so now so the the music videos is a one license whatever but if i'm if i if you know and the dj when they were doing those freestyle um all those uh, freestyles in there it wasn't like original beats or something like that it was all instrumentals and all that stuff which is of course dope but if they wanted to uh go in you know if if it's a you know obscure thing, of course it probably wouldn't be that much. But if it's something hype or something that was like you know uh, super popular or number one hit, that's that's gonna be even more. Dope. So for them to actually license every episode, they would have probably multiple licenses of music and have to go through and figure out, oh, let's get a chunk from WB, let's get a chunk from mm-hmm. you know this and that. And so that's part of the reason why BT never brought a lot of those things out because I remember when we did a, an Aaliyah tribute thing, they had to pull an episode from um, from uh, One and Six and Park, but I forgot there was like a, a licensing problem with one of the songs that was played when she walked in. And I think it was around the time. It was one of her songs, but her songs have been wrapped up in a legal situation that that's why it was never streaming. So they couldn't use it. And so it was like, it was just, a, it was just an eye opening thing to me. Cause I'm like, BET does have all this, all this content, but in the reality, they kind of don't because they don't uh, own it lock, stock and barrel. And that's part of the reason why they don't um, show old, uh, the BD Awards and all those other ones, those award shows are owned by the production company that puts the show on. So BET just airs it as a broadcasting situation, but they don't actually own the actual stuff. And that's the crazy thing. So I and think that's... Sort of go ahead, circle around, circle around to the, to the, to the Rap City thing. The, the first time they aired it, 
licensing agreements were one way and royalties, uh, royalty setups were one way for television. There's been like 25 agreements, <laughs> 25 different licensing agreements and, 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 uh, and different situations now uh, where you could have played that stuff and not owed X amount of money. But now when you replay it, because you, because licensing laws and rules are different, you have to pay a lot more money in most instances because, you know, let's say you had to pay a dollar before you might have to pay $25. Now Tra- extrapolate that across however many episodes of rap CM. I'm just throwing out numbers is probably way more than that. Now you're talking in the thousands of dollars per song. So, and then, you know, Crazy. per song, then the different regions that you play it in, then how many times you play it per, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. It's not just a matter of it, it's not just the licensing agreements. It's it's honoring the changes that have occurred since Rap City was on the air. Yeah, that's the crazy part. But I think I think you're right, Cam. It's one of those things where this is a it's just an interesting black capitalist moment because it's you know all the black, big black capitalists is like okay, cool, we got I can get a, a legacy brand probably on the cheap, and now what am I going to do with it? Exactly like you said, because it's like. I remember that I was that, that was another thing too. We we're like, yo, you know, there's what happened to BET News, and nobody watched it, so they they canceled it. But you probably should still have it just off a of GP because you should just have it. <laughs> sure, and take I, that I, out, I, like you know. I just got a weary eye at all this. I mean, uh, for obvious reasons, but you know, we'll just see what happens. So, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and then um, our last piece of news, unfortunately, uh, claimed after Red passed away this week. Um, he was well known on many, many, many things. Of course, recently, uh, John Wick, of course. But he also, the, actually, in his last five years, he was doing a bunch of voice acting, too, which was awesome. He was on a lot of TV, a lot of TV, a lot of, TV, TV. I mean, a lot of voice acting. Yeah. He was on Destiny, uh, Destiny 2 on, uh, on Xbox and PS5. Um yeah, yeah, I heard. I just heard about that recently, and then he he was in uh, American Horror Story a few times, and he then he was recently he did he starred in Netflix's poor attempt at a Resident Evil adaptation, and um, <laughs> but he was he was great. He did what he could with a horrible script, but um, all that to say, yeah, Lance Reddick has been a big time presence in American television for the last almost 20 plus years, uh, dating back again to the Wyatt, to the wire. He yeah. was also in, I think he was in Oz as well. He was on Oz. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he was on Oz. He was on Lost. He was in Lost. Uh, which he was I in Fringe. He was in, uh, he was in, uh, as far as films go, he was in White House Down. He was in John Wick. He was in Angel Has Fallen. Uh, he was on the cable show Bosch. Oh yeah, uh, Bosch. He did yeah. a voice on DuckTales, which I did not know. <laughs> That's uh, hilarious. I will say this about Lance Riddick: my first time is probably Oz. I don't remember his his role in Oz, but I remember him uh, more prominently from The Wire. Yeah. But then I remember mostly his stint on Eric Andre's show <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> um, Spartacus too. Oh and, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he also had he was in one episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and it's a pretty funny funny episode um because that's one of the things that 
over the years of just observing his career, I noticed about him is and what people who work with him would say is that even though he would play these sort of steely characters, he was like one of the those people that had like a great sense of humor and was very, very, very um, funny and amiable and things like that. Not at all like the the sternness of Daniels or or Broil uh, from The Wire or Broils from from Fringe. Um, which is a good yeah. thing you, you, when you hear that about these uh, these actors, and 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 certainly that was, from what I hear that was true about him. In fact, he had just posted he he had posted a, a, a Facebook or Instagram message uh, from with his dog on Wednesday because he he basically explaining that he wouldn't make the John Wick four. Uh, premiere the red no it was played at the premiere or something like that because he couldn't make it and yeah. then a couple of days later you know he passed away also i want to give props to his uh voice work on uh horizon forbidden west and horizon yep. zero no horizon zero dawn and horizon forbidden west oh wow he's wow yep. i did not know and that he was in uh he's also in vox machina too yeah one he's of the a prominent character yeah. in those games yeah. too he's like, yeah. yeah he's dope and then my uh and on the comedy end my favorite was uh <laughs> he was in the uh, gay wedding advice skit on uh key and peel which is my favorite line where he was just like uh yeah well, are there gonna be any gay hymns at this gay wedding and they're like what is a gay hymn you know just raining men, <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, I mean, Lance Reddick, man. What can you say? He's he's been a big part of of like I said, TV as a character actor and just reckon all around recognize voice actor recognizable. When you hear his voice, see him, he's like you know who exactly who who he is. So mm-hmm. it was definitely a uh, you know he was still relatively a, a young in my opinion, sixty years old. He's and, really young, <laughs> and, and um, you know didn't you know none of us know these uh, figures personally, so we can't say what you know whether he was physically healthy or not. But it's just it's just a kind of a, a, a definitely a blow to to see that that name as, as someone that that died uh oh this last week. Well his wife it's, said it was natural causes, so Yeah, they're they're the coroner's the coroner's report is saying it's natural causes as well. Crazy. But it Crazy. stings in a particular type of way because I'm actually in the middle of at D'Angelo's behest months ago. Uh I'm in the middle of rewatching Fringe. So you know it kind of it stings in a particular type of way because I'm seeing this dude's grill every day. While yeah. I'm trying to work my way through five seasons of of uh, of Fringe, so you know it, it definitely it definitely stings a certain type of way. Yeah. And I literally watched the episode where on Fringe where he accidentally takes some LSD, and when I tell you, yeah, that character and that's like, a great episode. It is hilarious, <laughs> and and Lance Reddick. <laughs> switches from again steely stern broils the epitome of a of a military background fbi agent to straight tripping tripping balls tripping his mind out like 100 it's great it's it's great tv and he you can always find those moments from lance reddick when you watch this stuff i shall go visit that episode to see if it's accurate for research purposes (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, he's he's done funny or die videos. Dude's got a dude, he he doesn't take himself all that seriously, or didn't I should say, take himself all that seriously. It would seem like you know for all the like we were saying before, you know for uh, as steely as some of his characters are, and you know as as hard boiled and and you know uh, uh, menacing in some cases as his characters can be. The, the man clearly had a funny bone, and yeah. you know knew how to sell comedy. Like he was—he clearly, he clearly was not, you know, the what he was typecast as. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's—it's a huge loss, man. It is—it's—it's it's so 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 sad. Salute to Lance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Salute to Reddit. Um. So we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap with final words. Um. Cam, I'm gonna start with you. Yeah, man. We'll Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I want to start with the uh, recently released Chris Rock special. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Talk to Cam. It had like a few. I don't know, man. Like Chris Rock peaked on his first two specials, and that was it. I'm not going to lie with you. I'm not going to sit here and say Chris Rock. Chris Rock at one point was one of the funniest men in comedy, but that moment has came and went like a fart in the wind. And maybe I've outgrew Chris Rock's comedy. And watching this most recent special told me a few things about myself and Chris Rock. Chris Rock is still doing the same approach that he did 20 years ago. Uh, And I think Chris Rock needs therapy because I think that Will Smith slap really affected him in ways that came out through this last special. Mm. I also mm. think he has a thing against black women. Uh, that's a conversation for another day. Mm. Cause there's a history of this type of, uh, Chris rock banter against black women, especially. Mm. That's a good point. I've noticed. Um, that too before. Yeah. So, you know, Chris rock had a mo- few moments that made me like go hmm, chuckle, but it, he doesn't make me laugh out loud like, yo, that was hilarious. Bill Bellamy, Eddie Griffin, and a few others make me laugh out loud. There's the, then there's the Dave Chappelle's where they made me kind of think about things and kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, and that's a different type of comedy. I may not be laughing, yeah. but I enjoy it. And then there's right. Chris Rock where it, it sounds like he's like the black Eddie Kennison. I'm like, would that translate well, that same type of style now screaming? Because he's like, yeah, like his most funniest movie is about the rib. He wanted to buy for a dollar, you know, where I was like, oh, that's hilarious. But I have but even not, that's old. Like that's, that's old. That's like his material with the dude where he's like, how much for such and such? And he's like. Uh, it's ten dollars. Ten dollars, good lord, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> so, so you know, like there was some some uh, dialogue on my Twitter timeline. Is Chris Rock's not funny? Now, I wouldn't say he's not funny. He was funny. He's just not as funny as he used to be back in the past. And I think yeah, he's lost his step. He lost a step. And his comedy special, at best, is mid. Even comedians who watched it will tell you it's mid. And, and we're not trying to discredit Chris Rock. It's just the reality of it. He just didn't translate well into this modern era. Or he, I don't know, man. Chris Rock has always been kind of problematic for folks, and I think he's a certain type of comedian for certain type of people, Saxons, but that's just me. <laughs> you know, so again, my final word, Chris Rock has a new special. It's not all that great. You can wait to go see it. There's funnier people, but uh, if you want to go down memory lane and see what Chris Rock used to be and sounded like, go by all means, go for it. Mm. D'Angelo? 
Um, final word, final word. Um, I'm just going to say once again, rest in peace, Lance Reddick, because again, I think uh, I don't normally say that much about celebrities when they, when they, celeb actors when they, when they pass, but uh, have, much like Josh, I'm rewatching Friends and I've seen a few episodes that, again, when I was literally, I think I may have been watching Fringe when I saw that alert on my phone, which I was like, oh, what? <laughs> Lance Reddick dies. So once again, my final word is just another rest in peace to Lance Reddick. Yeah, I would say mine. My final word is kind of the same. Also, too, every time uh, a black, uh, you know, I'm gonna say black person that is known in the in either fame or some celebrity like under I don't know seventy five. I'm just like man, <laughs> like every time it, it's. Honestly, what it is is just another reminder of health for for the rest of us. Uh, we're Amen. all black men. Yeah. We're all in our we're all in our forties, and you know we just making sure we you know ch- checking in on our health. You know, making sure we go to our appointments. Make sure we check on e- on each other as well. But like the this whole like like sixties too young man. Two sixties hey, way too young. Cam, we not too far from sixty. That was that's what I'm saying. Hey. That's exactly what I'm saying. So when you see me post my videos like I'm lifting to fight Thanos, like, <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason why I do this. Sixty is too. Like, hey, you know, I have I friends know. that are fifty. That's ten years, and like, yeah, yeah it's too. It's sixty is too young. You know, hey, we, might, we, we might be joking about like how like it's real, bro. Like that was mm-hmm. way too young. Mm-hmm. Natural causes. What, what? And like and like a black and unfortunately statistically <sighs> black men's you know. Our life expectancy is like seventy two or something like that. I swear it goes down every time I check. But yeah. if that's the case, all of us are past middle age already, and right. so that that's another aspect to remind of a reminder. Right? Like I, I, I mm-hmm. thought about that too. I was like, I'm not saying we're gonna all not gonna get to seventy two, but I'm also like, man, yeah, we are now past the point of quote unquote what you know statistically middle age would be. So that mm-hmm. so yeah, sixty is sixty is that no sixty is young. So I my my whole message is yo, be on your health tip, drink the waters, get you get you, yeah. get you, get you in the gym, get you get your exercise in, what you whatever you need to do, but just just because we don't have access to that to that stuff that uh the the queen had that that kept her kept yep. her for <laughs> exactly for almost uh say she was uh ninety some, but I believe I think she's one hundred fifty. They just they just <laughs> baby's blood scratch the scratch the, the the records. I think she she she's not. At, uh, Whichever her father's king, whatever his name was, she's not Feratu, yeah. man. She's not Feratu. Pharrell's, Pharrell's. Uh, Josh, your final word. Uh, final word, final word, final word. Uh, oh, um, so I'm super late, but Ted Lasso. Wow, wow, wow! That welcome, is welcome to the resistance, brother. Welcome to the resistance. That show is one of the greatest shows ever made. I hear it's, it's funny. I hear it's real. Stop, it's stop. D'Angelo, you but, shall not watch this show. This show is not for you. This no. For yeah, I know. I, that's what I heard. I heard it's not it's not it's supposed it's to have entirely ha- too happy or something. Is what is yes, it? it's is entirely it? too happy for your sensibility. Yeah, well, yes. okay. I won't I will but I that's cool though, Josh. You, but you it is 
it is absolutely one of the best feel good shows I have ever seen in my entire life. Probably wow. the best. Not even one of leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds uh, far and away. The best feel good show I've ever seen in my entire life. Even more than Shit's Creek? Or did you watch Shit's Creek? Shit's Creek is really um, it's in the same vein, but this is more where Shit's yeah. Creek has a has a more of a sarcasm arc to it. This is a lot more on the optimism and hopeful. Like yeah, yo, thinking about it, man. He just feels shit and, and D don't go together, man. Nah, nah. Trust me, he, D'Angelo and I talk every day, and we are very plugged into what the other is watching. I even mentioned that I'm watching Ted Lasso to 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 D because it's just it's a waste of time. It's not it's not it's not for you, bro. I I know this. I know this. It's I, not. Wait, I, I, hang on, because you guys described this as positive <laughs> and being a feel good. Don't make me out yes, to be something a monster. But it's, but it's not just just that it's. It's not just that it's that. It's just so far down the lane in optimism. It it really like it goes out of its way to be this happy go lucky, plucky sort of yeah. hyper optimistic show. Uh, okay. So it's like this gimmick for that to be that way, but it's not cloying. But it's good. The thing is, it's not. It, it's not cloying. It's not like you think it would be. It should be. As a matter of fact, I'll go. I'll go so far as to say. It should be cloying and and just like so feel good that you just like ah this is this is too much. Look, man, but puppies, puppies so, and positivity don't go well with D'Angelo, bro. <laughs> but it, but it goes so far down the lane of optimism and 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 a happy just it it just it just carries it so far down the lane that it ends up being arguably one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah, because of that. Job. Yeah, they do a good job. I, mean, I would say, and just to backstory, it came out right at COVID, and so when and when everything was bleak and people were just kind of in that very d- down in the dumps type situation, it just landed at the correct time. That's and like right. that warm and fuzzy and optimism and hopeful and all that stuff hit such. And like I remember, I had heard the same type of stuff, and I was like, oh, let me just check this out. And by the end, I was like, yo, this is really good. And I rewatched it with big my old mom. hug, didn't it? Oh, 100 percent. And I, I rewatched it with my mom. She was laughing. Absolutely. She was crying. She was into it. She was enjoying herself. It, and so, yeah, it absolutely will tell on every emotion you have. You'll be angry at some characters. You'll cry at some character situations. You'll laugh until you're, you're until you run out of breath and, and tears are flowing. It's just it. It really everything that it does, it does to an extreme hmm. in a really in the best possible way. I, and not to mention the soccer aspect. Like I'm a huge soccer fan. Me and Cam are both huge soccer fans, and the the soccer aspect absolutely. Absolutely works for an American made. What I think is an American made show. Yeah, like it really is. Like in every character. Like I'm, I was texting Cam. What is it? Yesterday, I think it was. Like, and I realized as I looked back, I was looking for something else, and I looked back at what I was saying to Cam. I was like, "This character is awesome. This other character is awesome. This other character is like all the characters are great." I realized I all, uh, that I probably texted him like four times that different characters were br- brilliant in some way. 
Uh, but it's just really, I just cannot get enough of that show. Holy crap. See, that's a ending on a positive note. I like that. Warms and fuzzies. Yeah. And it just, it just started a third season, I think. Yeah. Last week. And so, um, and they, even in the second season, I think the one good thing that they do balance about that, say the positive end is um, they give the, especially Ted Latta, who's almost uberly positive. They give him a a certain aspect of uh, that perceived as a negative and the way they deal with it is actually pretty good. And so they do a really good job of just really making sure that they don't have no cardboard characters and, um, and it's no good writing. Solid arcs, and yeah, it's just it's just fun, man. It's a really fun show. Yeah, Ted so. is like hyper optimistic, and he's had some terrible things happen to him, and it's not just hyper optimism. Like he's genuinely, it seems that he is just that way. But he comes across as like a real person who has had some terrible things happen to him, and he reacts to those things. And so, not everything is all you know you know, super duper gushy and, you know, he's just, you know, syrupy, sweet and happy all the time, even through the bad thing. Like his bad things are really bad. And he has some really bad reactions to him. Um but you know, he snaps back to who he is once he's aired the thing or or, you know, expressed what the thing is or had his reaction to the thing. The man has panic attacks and, you know, related to some things that have happened, a divorce that he went through, his past committed suicide, and he goes through it. Like, he really, in, in unpacking all of that, he goes through it. So it's not like he's just all, you know, syrupy and plucky all the time. It's, it's a, it, the characterizations are bloody brilliant. I just got, I just hit the episode where Beard had his night out on the town after they, after they lost the FA Cup. And that was just a wild, trippy episode. <laughs> For no reason, but also good. So, yeah, it's, no. uh, if you haven't watched it, Ted Lasso is top-notch TV writing. 100% um, top tier. It's really, really out there. But be prepared for some warm and fuzzies and a lot of, a lot, a lot of hugs, a lot of a, a lot, lot of feels, a lot, a lot of, of good speeches, mm-hmm. a lot of good. We could do it, guys. Come on. We're down and out. Like that kind of stuff. Um, oh, so. well, also, you'll, you'll feel some things. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you will, you'll, you may shed a tear. You may, you're going to laugh really hard. You may shed a tear. You'll be really happy. You'll be really sad. Like it, it, it takes you, it takes you some places. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I think it'll take me right to the toilet. <laughs> I've always heard good things about this show. Like I can't even, I can't even hate on it. I've, I've heard that about the optimism, uh, which is probably why I've avoided up until now. I won't, I won't, I will admit that, but yeah, that's, it's cool to hear that you've gotten into it because like I said, I've heard so much about people saying like, it's just like a big hug and super positive feel good and mainly during COVID a lot of people flocked to it and they were watching it for those reasons mainly just to you know again feel good stuff yeah escape the escape escape some of the craziness yeah. Um, but yeah that's our, know, that's our also, show for today it, oh go ahead Josh sorry I was gonna say um, it, it's also wild that it like like the transporter it's it's a fully fleshed out concept that started out as just this little thing that who I'm trying to remember who uh oh it was a uh it was an ESPN sketch yes Ted Lasso the whole sketch it was a sketch of a uh, D two football p- uh, coach getting a job at a Premier League uh I forgot I forgot I forgot which one it was it was actually a popular one but 
And it was like, I think they did three uh, five minute or five minute little like mini episodes. And then they took yes. that and turned it into a fleshed out show. And so and it yeah. is wild that they that they created all of this from just that from just the again, like the transporter movies, the transporter movies started out as BMW films. But Clive Owen driving a car, looking mysterious, driving a BMW, looking mysterious, doing what looked like it could have been maybe possibly spy stuff that we don't know about. But couldn't identify, but it was great. They were great BMW commercials. So, you know, and somebody had the idea. Well, you know, all right, Clive Owen's not going to be available, but uh, this guy, um, what's Jason his name? Thank you. Jason Statham apparently is available. We'll throw him in a BMW and we'll take that concept and he'll just be an ex military guy who goes around doing, you know, equalizer level interventions for people if they have enough money or because he feels like you know a right needs to a wrong needs to be righted and three movies four movies however many movies there yeah been. i think there are five now but yeah you're right it's kind of crazy yeah some craziness like that but yeah uh, ted lasso man holy crap <laughs> nice um also that's our show thank you for rocking with us we will see you guys next week and Peace. diamond dogs